It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving as we bring the Thanksgiving weekend to a close. And I know many of you will be on the road when you're listening this morning. And so I want to talk about, um, start off with a, with a remarkable story that, that really is one of those things you, you can't believe when you read it. Trees by fact. First ever use of tree DNA in prosecution sends a poacher to prison. Imagine that. So what's happened in the great outdoors is that we're able to derive the DNA of trees. And by having the DNA of trees, we can then trace the lumber of illegally harvested trees and go to the lumber yard that actually sold it and ultimately end up with the logger who um, caused the tree to be illegally cut down. So if you think about this, it's, it's a huge breakthrough and a very positive one. The stealing of walnut trees in the Midwest has been going on for a long time, very valuable trees, and people wake up one day and find out in the back 40 or the back five acres, whatever it is, they suddenly had a very valuable tree cut down. It's gone. This case was in Washington state, and it represents the first use of DNA evidence from trees during a prosecution in a federal criminal trial. A logger in Washington state uh, and a crew of his associates were found to have conducted an illegal logging operation in the Olympic National Forest, where they took down some historic maple trees in 2018. The group took down highly prized old growth maple trees, and these are used to produce musical instruments, violins and guitars, things like that. And they forged the permit that they had to sell the wood. Well, guess what? They got caught because the trees had DNA markers in them. And they were able to follow the wood to the lumber yard, use the DNA comparison. And when an analysis was done at the lumber yard and off the tree stump left, it was a complete match. So uh, there was no question at all. And the culprit was sentenced to 20 months in prison. The, you know, the rustling of cattle has been going on since the beginning of, of Western ranching and cattle have brands and it's led to range to wars on the open range, people being shot. It's just the way it is. In the timber business, the stealing of timber has also been going on since the beginning of time, but it's been very hard unless you catch somebody hauling a load of timber right then and there on the site. It's been been impossible up up until now to be able to prove that they took the timber. I grew up on a farm in northeastern Illinois, and I remember waking up one day, and my father was was irate because someone had come in in the dead of night and and taken a walnut tree that was a prized tree, a 150-year-old walnut tree, and in the middle of the night, they didn't use chainsaws. They came in with 
with large with large saws and two man saws, and they cut the tree down. And more amazingly, they cut it up and they hauled it off that night, and nobody knew the difference until the next day. Of course, when uh, he went out to the pasture to look at the cattle, and guess what? The tree was gone. So if we had had this kind of DNA, we probably would would have been able to go to the lumber yard or local yards, find the lumber, found out who sold it, and the result would have been the same thing in prison term. So it is a breakthrough. Uh, hopefully, this technology can be used in the Amazon, where, of course, illegal forestation is an enormous problem. And we're very quick to to talk about the destruction of the Amazon uh, in in Brazil, but not so quick to talk about the destruction of our own forests over time. But this DNA technology, if it could be used to help save the Amazon, that would really be a good thing for the world. So that's the breakthrough technology-wise. Um, something going on also, and this morning's show, I'm not going to talk about heavy issues. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and we're all stuffed with turkeys. Uh, some of us are even stuck with, stuffed with wild turkeys. Um, as I mentioned on a show a few weeks ago, the, the wild turkey population, for reasons that are yet unknown, is is in pretty significant decline across a wide part of their range after really 50 years of going doing nothing but going straight up. So hopefully you've had turkey, whether it came from a store or wild turkey. One thing you didn't see a lot of, no matter where you're listening this year, were butterflies. The butterfly population continues to be in, in, in a free fall. And in this case, I'm going to talk for a, a moment about butterflies in Europe, which might give some indication as to insight as to why butterflies are collapsing in the United States, too. In Europe, butterfly populations are down 30 to 70 percent over the past 25 years, depending on the location. And interestingly, in Spain, they're down about. 70%. The reason being, over the past 50 years, the number of Spanish farmers has contracted greatly. And today, there is more. there are more trees in Spain than there were in 1900. There have been a three-fold increase in the growth of forests in Spain from that of 1900. So over the last 120 years, but really importantly, over the last 30 years or so, as farms have been abandoned in Spain, and those areas have been returned to woodlands, those woodlands are not productive for butterflies. Butterflies need flowers. Flowers don't grow in forests. Trees shade them out. They, they, they're a great pollinator, but as forest lands increase, butterflies decline. And in the United States, we're having a free fall of butterflies, and nobody that I've heard of or talked to thinks it's a result of there being too many trees in the United States. They think it's the result of, of pesticides and chemicals being used in agriculture and in lawns and on golf courses. It's basically causing the land to go sterile because we also have lost so much of the milkweed, milkweed being the, the absolute key, key plant for pollinators like bees and butterflies. So we think of, we think of pollinators, we think of bees and butterflies. We think of why in the United States their population is, is in free fall. And it's because we've lost so much of the milkweed that they depended on. Just like anything else, you take away their habitat, they're not going to do well. And certainly in Mexico, where the monarch butterfly has been legendary for its ability to, to migrate and stage and winter in huge numbers in Mexico, 
the, the population declines there are, are really are really very sad. Um, not a not a result of force as it is in Europe. It's a result of of chemicals being used in the United States, whether it be, as I said, golf courses, farms, or backyards, lawns. Everything we're doing is to knock the insect knock the insects out of the population, and in agriculture, is to knock the weeds out of the field. Well, you can't have butterflies and bees if you don't have you don't have milkweed in places for them to pollinate. Uh, a couple minutes before the break, I want to very quickly talk about something which I will uh, continue to talk about uh, after the break, and that is Thanksgiving weekend is a time when, well, the whole week is a time when so many families go to the, take to the woods and waters, and whether you're hunting, which is, in my family's case, generation steep, Thanksgiving weekend is a time to hunt. It is for so many families. It's also a time when we just gather and we go outside and we use our public lands. Well, we're still finding here we are almost two years after the onset of COVID. We're still finding our public lands are locked up, closed, parking lots closed. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing that here we are in November of 2021 and the entire world, or at least all of America, is reopened, but but our public lands can't because government workers apparently can't go back to work. What does a parking lot have to do with COVID? I'll be talk more about that when I come back in just a minute. I hope you've had a great Thanksgiving. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, the message from our longtime sponsors in Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Your host, Charlie Potter, here on WGN Radio. I hope you are enjoying the show. I started before the break to talk a little bit about access to parking lots and public lands. And in California, the Bureau of Land Management still has not opened its parking lots in many areas. It's preposterous. Uh, across the West and across the Midwest, there are public lands in the South, in fact, across America, that are closed. Parking lots remain barricaded, shuttered. What is it? that the federal government cannot get itself organized to open up parking lots, the people's property, so that we can go for walks on Thanksgiving weekend or we can access areas to go hunting or to go fishing. I don't understand it, and I'm sure many of you don't understand it. It's not like you're going to catch COVID in a parking lot. But the big signs, and I had a picture of this the other day, in California, 
due to COVID, the parking lots are closed to avoid the gathering of individuals. It's absurd. Instead of parking in the parking lot, cars are lined up parking on the shoulders of roads. And then people walk through the parking lot and go on their way on the walking trails or trails that lead them to hunting. That's kind of dangerous. Parking lots were built there to accommodate cars. Yet the, the roads every day, the shoulders of roads are lined with people, cars who then walk along the edge of the road, to access areas, walk around a lock gate and enter the public lands. When is the federal government going to wake up and realize that our lands are being used? In fact, they're being used at a higher level now than at any time in, in, in recent history, if, if maybe not in, in history itself. And yet uh, the government's missing in action. Um, they can just open the parking lot gates. Uh, I'm sure that the federal workers have had to return to work. Maybe they haven't. But in the private sector, that wouldn't fly. And and so I'm I'm once and again, and I'm going to talk about this next week uh, to do with the management of federal lands as opposed to the management of private lands. But once again, it's it's just shocking that um, we cannot access our public lands the way we expect to uh, at this point in time because of the restrictions. Uh, that still exist on parking and parking lots due to COVID. Uh, I want to shift from that to talking about technology in public lands and the time I have left. Because this is a subject that not only do I find fascinating, but I think it's so important to the to the future of, of using our, our, our public lands in America. It wasn't that long ago when you needed a map. No such thing as GPS. You had a compass. You had a map. And you tried to use that map to figure out where public and private lands uh, intersected and how you could access public lands. And now there are websites and all kinds of things available. Onyx is one of them, for example. It's, it's, it's an app that tells you where the public and private lands are, how you access the public lands. And what it's done is it is opening up an unbelievable treasure trove of public land to be accessed for recreation uses that were behind locked gates or were thought to be on private property, or in most cases, there were signs telling you it was on private property and you couldn't access it. Particularly, this is true west of the Mississippi River, but also true to a great deal in Wisconsin and Michigan and Minnesota, where we have pretty large national forests in Illinois. This has really never been a problem. We don't have a lot of public lands. But the, the use of technology uh, is enabling us to know truly where public and private lands are and how you access them. This is causing a lot of angst in the community of landowners who historically have not had to deal with access to certain areas of their property or through their property. And it's definitely causing conflict. Gates are being locked. Cameras are being put up. People are being harassed. And, and the point of all this is we, we kind of have to respect private property rights and, and private landowners have to respect the right of the public to access lands that they should be able to access. Technology is only going to keep advancing. It's only going to get better. And eventually there'll be no question at all as to where the private land and public lands are and what the access points are. Today, there's still maps, much like Google Maps, sends you on places where there aren't roads or says there are roads, but there aren't any, and you end up in somebody's driveway, um, particularly in rural areas. That'll all get cleaned up, but the the days of, 
of literally having a compass and a, and a, and a, and a map um, and trying to figure out how you can access a stream or how you can get into a piece of property. Those days are, are pretty much behind us due to technology, and I think that's a very, very positive step. Problem now is we still have such terrible management of our public lands in general, which, as I said, I'll talk about. I'll talk about next week a little more when I talk about an area in the South that was one of the truly wonderful wonders of of the South for recreation and has been allowed to be completely destroyed um, in doing so. Um, so as I begin to wind down for the day this Thanksgiving weekend. One last thought I have, the deer season is in full swing in many places, and in Illinois, we're about to have the second season uh, starting next week. And we uh, are really struggling with chronic wasting disease and, and how we are going to make sure that chronic wasting disease, CWD, does not continue to spread in our deer herds. And I know so many of you Throughout Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Michigan, Iowa, wherever Minnesota, wherever you may be listening this morning, who love to hunt deer, are, are keenly aware of this. It is, it is the big threat. Chronic wasting disease continues to, to threat to spread. We don't appear to have any way to control it, despite the mechanisms we've been using. It, it, it has not been vanquished. It's a prion, of course, which deer gets. Um, but even the the most aggressive measures to reduce the spread of chronic wasting disease or to halt it have not really worked. So we're going to be living with it. What we have to be able to figure out is how to some way control it, stop its spread, or it's quite possible that deer populations in so much of America will, will severely be hurt and uh, may come the time when, as a result, hunting opportunities uh, are going to be curtailed even that much more which is going to put further pressure on the whole notion of where, you know, what are hunters supposed to hunt and where are they supposed to go? So uh, chronic wasting disease is on all of our minds. Uh, as I mentioned recently, there's a show, there's never been a case of chronic wasting disease jumping from, from a deer to humans, but um, you definitely should have your deer tested to know if it has chronic wasting disease uh, before you, um, before you have it butchered, if you possibly can. So uh, I hope that next week at the end of deer season, we'll end up with a really strong season in, in Illinois, and it has been across much of the Midwest. Uh, I hope you have a great week in the great outdoors. And next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about snow geese and why they're shifting westward. I'm also going to talk about this place called the Panther Swamp in Mississippi, appropriately named the Panthers that were once there. And I uh, continue to catch up on a whole variety of issues taking place in the great outdoors. Thanks for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.